Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view, the people who work in the prison system would have another, and I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doin' Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. It's approximately 4.01 and we're going to be speaking with with a number of people this afternoon. Um, this is Marissa and we'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Tyrone. He's the Smart Justice Officer at the Federation of Community Legal Centres and we've invited him to come onto the show to speak about an open letter that was written by the Federation of Community Legal Centres in regards to a, a very unfortunate um, occurrence that Corrections has banned um, pen pals within prisons and we're going to be speaking about communications in Victorian prisons and explaining a little bit about that and, and what's going on. And we'll also talk about um, how that's violating just that particular section of the the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities 2006, Vic. So, and then after that, um, before I welcome Tyrone, um, continuing with the introduction, we're going to be speaking then with Pauline Clagu. And she is a filmmaker and a professor, associate professor of cultural resilience. But we'll speak about her title in more detail later on. And we'll speak about as well a very special event that's coming up. Um, it's an art project and it's going to be looking at the untold story of Aboriginal women deaths in custody through art. So we'll speak about that and we'll speak about some of the people that were involved, such as um, Professor Larissa um, Barrett and Dr Lou Bennett. And we'll speak about a couple of things in regards to that and talk about the background to the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. So, yeah, coming up now, welcome Tyrone to the program. Hi, Marissa. How's it going? Good, thanks. Yeah, and you? Yeah, pretty well, thanks. Good, good. Now, Tyrone, we were speaking off here about quite a number of, of topics, but I'm wondering if you could just talk, first of all, a little bit about yourself and your title at the Federation of Community Legal Centre, about what you do. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm the Smart Justice Officer at the Federation of Community Legal Centres, and as part of that role, I support the Smart Justice Coalition, 
That's a group of more than 60 community legal centres and social service organisations that are committed to transforming the justice system so that it works for the whole community. So I work across advocacy and policy, supporting that program and the general work of the Federation. Fantastic. And could you just explain to listeners about what's happening with the ban on the PenPal program in Victorian prisons? Yeah, so I suppose at the centre of our campaign is our understanding that when somebody's going through trauma or experiencing loneliness and isolation, having someone to talk to or someone to write to can can be a lifeline. Um, And the problem is that given that prison is particularly isolating for people, Corrections Victoria at the moment has banned programs that let people reach out to pen pals to get that form of support when they're going through a difficult time. This isn't just terrible for people's mental health, particularly the LGBTIQ community, but it also stops people from developing the kinds of literacy skills and forging links with people outside of prison that are really important for when people leave prison. Um, And we we say that there's a pretty simple solution available to Corrections Victoria that has imposed this ban, and that's that they should reverse it and they should let people participate in pen pal programs and communicate freely with people outside of prison. So why have they banned this very important medium? Look, it's been difficult to get a very clear explanation from Corrections Victoria about why the ban is in place. And in particular, we haven't been able to come up with a clear answer from them um, for why they treat pen pals differently to other forms of mail. They sometimes make reference to, to the security of people outside of prison, but what Corrections Victoria doesn't do is explain why pen pal letters shouldn't, should be treated differently to other forms of correspondence, and also they don't explain why uh, the existing measures by which uh, vetting processes are applied to mail that comes into prison and goes out of prison aren't good enough for pen pal programs if they're good enough for other forms of mail. Oh, okay. So you mean that Corrections has actually made a distinction so they can have letters from friends and family, right? Yeah, that's true. But not pen pals. Yes, and and the line is a little bit unclear to some extent. Um, It's unclear to us, for example, how close a friend has to be before they're no longer a pen pal. Um, We also just think that people perhaps without large networks of friends and family to reach out to, deserve somebody to be able to write to and to speak to just as much as somebody with those family and friend links. That's incredibly sad because what does constitute a family indeed? You know, sometimes your friends are your family and you you have a lot of prisoners that have actually lost touch with their family. You've got your your stolen generation First Nations people who um, have lost their families through trauma intergenerational trauma, how do you actually define what a pen pal is? It could be that you've met, you know, a stranger on a train who you forge a connection with and you they go you go into prison, you want to write to that person. Isn't this absolutely deplorable, Tyrone? Yeah, that's exactly right. It has a particular impact on First Nations people in prison, not only because of the reason that you've raised, but also just because they're disproportionately represented in our prison population. Uh, And for similar reasons, it's particularly problematic for uh, members of our lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, intersex and queer communities who also might not have the same access to family links as um, heterosexual or non-queer members of the community. Uh, For those for those people in particular, prison can be can be a really isolating and difficult place 
It's difficult and isolating for everybody, but it can be particularly tough for a queer person. Um, and having the opportunity to reach out to a queer person or an LGBTIQ person outside of prison can really offer that lifeline to somebody going through a difficult time. So it's very interesting. So what would they require, like the birth certificates of, of family to prove that they're not a pen pal? I mean, this, this just is it's pretty unbelievable. It, it is, and it's, it's pretty difficult to imagine how this type of ban could be enforced in a fair way. Uh, it doesn't make much sense as far as we're concerned, and, and we think the solution is pretty simple. By allowing people to send correspondence to anybody that they choose and ensuring that within that, uh, any risks that come up are regulated and handled within existing policy, um, that's, that's a fairer way to, in, to enforce a policy that doesn't have the same kinds of harms that this ban does on all members of the prison population. And how do Victoria, Victorian Corrections propose to, to make risk assessments in regards to producing evidence of this kind? Look, that's not something I'm personally aware of and um, something that we would kind of, we would emphasise is that the, the detail around this policy isn't particularly clear or no. publicly accountable. Precisely. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, it's through a Corrections Victoria internal policy that, that this um, ban is enforced. It's not at the level of legislation or mm. um, something that there's direct accountability for. And we say that, that when you're taking away people's right to communicate freely, that's really a situation where you need accountability around the, the policies that you've got in place. And you need to have a good explanation before you take away somebody's right to write a letter to somebody. It shouldn't, be, um, it shouldn't just be a, an absolute ban regardless of the circumstances. So the Federation of Community Legal Centres has, as part of the strategy to overcome this barrier, has written an open letter and it's, it's, it's actually quite a, a comprehensive letter, isn't it? it? It really details quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, well, there, there really are quite a number of reasons for opposing the ban and for, for removing it and protecting people's right to communicate freely. And by contrast, there aren't really many good reasons for, for maintaining it. And so uh, we have made use of a lot of the evidence available internationally um, and a lot of the benefits that are available to people for participating in, in pen pal programs. Those are things as extensive as uh, capacity to rehabilitate, to forge links with uh, friendship networks outside of the prison community, uh, and even just to have your basic right to communicate freely respected and to have your dignity respected, whether you're in prison or not. Yeah, it's. we were speaking just before about risk assessment, and I just think what I meant by that, Tyrone, just so that we can clarify that, I meant that the legislation is already in place to assess that level of risk and the laws are there already, aren't they? Exactly, exactly. So the Corrections Act actually allows um, Corrections Victoria officials in prisons relatively broad powers to regulate mail that comes through prisons in situations where, for example, you have a harassing letter or something that's threatening there's, there's really no reason in that context for a specific and across-the-board ban on all pen pal letters. It's, it's, in our opinion, it's cruel and unnecessary and it doesn't make much sense as a matter of policy. Absolutely. And even in regards to censorship, 
as well, and it says so in the open letter, if I can directly quote from it, that the Corrections Act 1986 Vic has a specific provisions that confers the right to send and receive other letters uncensored by prison staff. Yes, that that's exactly right. And, and the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities that you referred to earlier also explicitly protects people's freedom of communication. And that's not a right that's only available to people outside of prison. It's a human right and it's a right available to the community as a whole. We would suggest that this ban unreasonably limits people's ability to access that right. And it's a right that's that's protected in the Corrections Act as well. You have a right to send and receive letters and that should only be subject to reasonable censorship. Uh, a, a policy that says nobody can speak to a pen pal, even if there's no risk that comes out of that communication, that sounds like reasonable, that sounds like unreasonable censorship to us. So, so it's saying then that there are some letters that don't have to be censored? Uh, so essentially the, the ban at the moment applies to all prison pen pal programs. Right. So if you want to participate in a program, you can't access it because those programs aren't allowed. There are a limited number of cases where individuals can apply to the prison to, to get around the ban, but really that's just not good enough. It, it shouldn't be a preemptive ban and uh, a policy that stops people from establishing any type of program. It should be a situation where people are allowed to freely communicate and only where there's an identified risk, then you can step in. Look, it's it's really ridiculous. Um, and the, I, I did highlight the stuff about security just so that the listeners are aware that that's already happening because often that's an argument that people say you know because they they often say oh well what about what about prison security what about unlawful activity that's already covered Mm, it definitely is and and in that context i think there are just so many benefits that outweigh any potential risk that comes from these programs i mean i highlighted before the the risks to to people's security to LGBTIQ prisoners' security when they're in prison, uh, maybe with relatively complex mental health problems and trauma, and they don't have the capacity to deal with that by having somebody to reach out to. Uh, the, 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 the safety and security of people in prison is really at stake here. Um, and that's something that a partner organisation of ours, Inside Out, which is a, a group that works in solidarity with LGBTIQ people in prison, has really uh, stressed to us that participation in a pen pal program is one of the main requests they get from their members. And that's something that we're really keen to see reflected in the policies of, of Victoria's prisons. I mean, why does the word pen pal even have to enter into the equation? Why can't people just write to people? You know? It, it, it really should just be like that. that really? Yeah. Do you it, think? it doesn't make much sense. And I, and I think whether you're communicating with somebody who you've only met once uh, or you're communicating with a, a, a dear member of your family, the policy should respect that people have human needs to connect with other people, that when you're going through a difficult or a troubling time, you want to write to and you want to speak to somebody about that to help you get through that, that problem. And sometimes somebody who you've never met before or who you've met through a course of letters over the past year can be just as powerful a friend as somebody who you knew before you entered prison. And as I said, um, you, you know, you've, you've also got um, transgender, transgender diverse um, and gay people, but also heterosexual 
people that have been sexually abused, in particular women who have been sexually abused, and they may not wish to have any contact with their family and need people to write to, you know, and sometimes, look, blood doesn't solve everything, you know? Mm, mm, it definitely doesn't. And and having access to as many possible forms of support while you're in prison is really crucial. Um, it can be a, It can be a very tough place for people and... The idea that we would we would shut off an opportunity to to make healing connections for some of the people that you've talked about, women who've experienced violence, our First Nations communities, people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex, and the queer community, all of these groups have particular needs, but the, the, pe- the people in prison in general mm. need to have people to talk to when they're going through a difficult time and when they're experiencing the trauma that is that is living in prison. I hope to be doing a separate show about the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities. And Tyrone, I'm certainly not expecting you to discuss the Charter in detail. But I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about um, how it pertains to that. I I know we've kind of discussed it generally, but what is the Charter? I definitely can. So the Charter is uh, basically a legislative enactment of the Victorian Parliament. Only Victoria and ACT in Australia have a Charter of Human Rights. And what it is, is a reflection or uh, a code that reflects the type of rights and responsibilities that we think every member of the community should share. And I'd say that the most crucial feature of it is that these are universal rights, that everybody should have access to them. And that's why I'm saying in terms of freedom of communication, that there's no excuse for a policy that takes away people's rights and asks them to justify why they want those rights afterwards, that if these rights are truly universal, like the right to freedom of communication, then it's something that we need to respect, including for prisoners or people uh, experiencing prison. Absolutely. And, and to actually quote from the open letter, the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities 2006 Vic protects people's freedom of communication, including through writing. And it goes on to say, and I think this is totally relevant, the ban on pen pals in Victorian prisons unreasonably limits this freedom. It is an unacceptable violation of people's rights to communicate freely where where this right is already limited by a number of mechanisms open to Corrections Victoria to ensure both the public and prisoners' safety. That's exactly right. Are there any um, final comments that you wanted to add to this discussion? Yeah, I would just make two final comments. One is that uh, we'd love it if as many people as possible signed our petition uh, calling for Corrections Victoria to overturn this ban. That petition's available at fclc.org.au forward slash campaigns and you'll find the petition on that site. And I'd also draw people's attention to an upcoming forum that the Federation is hosting. This forum isn't just about the pen pal issue, it's about criminal justice policy as a whole and it's an opportunity for the community and particularly marginalised and targeted and racialized communities to plan advocacy and campaigning on criminal justice issues. And we're hoping to help, to help shape a, a strong collective response to the racialized political and media agenda, a media agenda that threatens our progress and that is really important to shape in the lead up to the Victorian election. So that, uh, that community forum is going to be held on 10th of May from 9 a.m. at the Footscray Community Arts Centre in Footscray. And tickets for that can, uh, can be purchased 
and registration is available again on the Federation of Community Legal Centres website. So that's fclc.org.au. And sorry, where, where is it going to be held? It's at the Footscray Community and Arts Centre. Okay, and the address? Uh, that's in Footscray, but the, the specific right. details will be on, online on the registration page. That's okay, and they can always contact the Community Legal Centre the Federation of Community Legal Centres, if there's no internet access. Yeah, definitely. Just um, give us a call. Look, thanks so much, Tyrone, for coming onto the program. There's not time to really talk about the other campaigns that um, the centres are running, but we can certainly have you back and um, and have a look at that sometime. Definitely, that would be great. Thank you so much for your time. It was uh, it was very enlightening, and not only enlightening, but it it showed us just how dehumanising the prison prison system is. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. And we're going to be um, going putting in a song in a second, but um, just wanted to back announce that and just say that we just finished speaking with Tyrone, who is a smart justice officer at um, the Federation of Community Legal Centres. And we're going to be now having a song by Archie Roach called By My Soul. And we're now going to be going on to our next interview and we're going to be speaking with um, with Pauline about a very, very special event which, as we both said off air, it's already, it's already special even before it's been done. Um, hello, mm. Pauline. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rooster. <laughs> lovely to be with you. It's lovely to have you. Now, Pauline, I'm just wondering if you could just um, on air talk about, just stay, say what your title is and also what land you're from. Uh, so I'm a Jaeger woman from the north coast of New South Wales, uh, from the mighty Clarence River. Um, but I live in Gadigal country in Sydney and, uh, I work for UTS. I'm the, um, I'm an associate professor, uh, and the manager of Indigenous Resilience Research for Jambana Institute. Fantastic. Which is a huge title. <laughs> it is a huge title. <laughs> and a huge title for a lot of huge projects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes, like, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of our pro- a lot of the projects that I work with, um, because of the other researchers that are involved in our area, you know, they work on coronials and they work on uh, bringing children back and... Uh, you know, they, they work on a lot of legal because of Larissa Berent and Professor Larissa Berent and her expertise. Um, a lot of the researchers are heavy, um, heavily driven by helping to change the legal conversation. And my job, I suppose, is um, with a mixture of a couple of other different artists and um, uh, forward thinkers is about sort of kind of thinking outside the square about how to tell that message to the greater community. Absolutely. It's it's so important. So the untold mm. story of Aboriginal women deaths in custody through art. Can you talk about how that project was born? Um, so uh, Larissa... Went, uh, you know, Jambana does a lot of work with yeah. coronials on the side in terms of its re- research and Larissa had approached us about doing a documentary at one point and I was saying to her, you know, we were sort of kind of like saying, you know, I don't know if a documentary is the easy way out for this story and it sort of felt like it needed um, us 
to have a communal effort into how to tell this story um, of Aboriginal women deaths in custody and the rates that are increasing at a you know at a rapid rate as well as incarceration and how um, you know even though the Royal Commission into Black Deaths in Custody uh, happened back in the early 90s uh, 91 was the uh, all the recommendations came out there, there is still not a lot of movement into what those recommendations were and how do we have a conversation, um, but also still heal these women, um, you know, obviously died with trauma and, um, and, and a lot of issues. And so how do we, how do we deal with telling their story and being respectful of that as well as, uh, trying to get community to be involved and creative within it. And so we came up with a couple of different concepts um, and then we started talking about if we just put it all in a cell block, what would that cell block look like? Like if we just had one cell to tell the story. And so we then started talking about the interpretation of um, rewriting those women's, or rewriting the story of those women before they passed um, so there's video attached to it. Um, we wanted to do something that had cultural element and the possum cloak came out of that, you know, um, when our people are deceased in the olden days, you know, the possum cloak was often wrapped around our women and men in New South Wales and so that was part of the journey of sort of kind of wrapping the women's stories and sending them off in a healing way. Um, and then... Um, yeah, we just started thinking about all the other elements, uh, like an eye that, you know, the the, indig- the indigenous uh, people that were supposed to be looking after them and how would we use the uh, Royal Commission in the Black Deaths in Custody report um, to tell that story. And so we've weaved together bits of paper that are a part of the Royal Commission and made it into a... Mm. Um, a mat, a sun mat, and and uh, created a, an eye, and um, and the toilet comes out of the recommend mm-hmm. is a paper mache of the Good. recommendations. So, just sort of kind of trying to think about you know how do we reinterpret the story, and you know we can't just have these things be just a piece of paper that sits on a shelf for years. But let's talk about what needs to be done in the future. Absolutely, and it's it's really symbolic, isn't it? That that mm. visual art, because a lot of the the Aboriginal that's in custody gather dust and are not dealt with on a legal yeah. legal level. Yeah, and then having someone like Lou Bennett, you know, who's just yeah. an amazing songstress, um, you know, come and do music for it, and Romaine Morton, who's a beautiful wordsmith, and you know, myself and Larissa, you know, we're all creatives. That's what I love about the group of four of us that have come together to tell this story is that we're all creatives, we're all academics, but our heart is in the community story and and making sure that those voices of those women are being told. So is that going to be... Will those stories be revoiced on a general level or will there be individual women's stories told? Um, we've had to sort of kind of, uh, I mean, it's quite scary how many of the stories are very similar. Yeah. Um, and so 
uh, we've had to revoice them into a sort of, I suppose, a generic. It's actors telling the story of those women. Um, but we've used elements of the different coroner's reports over the years um, that we've been researching. Okay. So yeah, it's quite. It's quite. Um, there's there's obvious there's obvious obvious yeah. currency in people like um, uh, Mrs. Do from WA that happened just recently in the last couple of years, going back to you know eighty eighty eight um, when some of the deaths in custody were uh, increasing and now they're starting to go again. There's Veronica Baxter, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, there's, you'd be surprised. There's the numbers that we got was around forty-eight women that um, have died in custody over since uh, since the Royal Commission. So, wow. So, so there's more women than what? Because we our show has covered it generally, and indeed we've covered men and women. Well, I call it in custody. I call in custody. I suppose in custody means. People that are also of care, of under, under state care. Of course. So it's not just people that are in custody of the police, I suppose. Is the, no, no, that's true. The numbers that we've sort of kind of come up with, yeah. That is so true. Um, and would it be, perhaps be useful at this point for listeners, just so that they can get a little bit of an idea, because they, they wouldn't be, a lot of them wouldn't be educated like us to know, um, no, I don't mean that they're not educated in school. Like they're not educated on this topic. And I'm wondering yep. if you could just share with listeners. It doesn't have to be the whole stories because we don't have time. But but at least some of some of the names of the women that have been researched. I mean, you mentioned oh. Miss Dew. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. You put the other side. Muriel Binks. Oh yes. Uh, um, uh, uh, need a blanket. There were a few that were name withheld for cultural sure, reasons. Of course. Um, uh, the Yari sisters, uh, Faye and Barbara, from up Queensland way. Wow. Um, gosh. That's okay. Yeah. No, this, this is good. No, just <laughs> sorry, just sorry, so that. Made... No, 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 I no. Have, I should have opened up. Not at all. It's, it's it. We, I wasn't here to look at it in detail, Pauline. But what you've yeah. what you've actually said is really powerful, because just so that listeners can perhaps Google that at a later stage and have a look. Like you didn't have to open documents, but just so that you know when they're looking at going to this project, they can say, "All right, well, what happened? You know, who yeah. who were some of these women? It's always good to personalise it, isn't it? So you've done a fantastic job in actually giving us some very powerful information. So thanks for that. Yeah. That's all right. No, it's really yeah. good. <laughs> and we're hoping, we're, we, you know, we're staying, um, the the exhibition is, is uh, will be open for two weeks at Bumali. Yeah. And during that time, I think they're also opening the women's exhibition um, in the second week of that. So it won't just be the, um, you know, that artwork that will be in the um, exhibition space at the Mali and Leichhardt. Um, but we're hoping that it will travel. We're hoping that it will create a conversation around the nation um, and that it will travel around the country as a part of a dialogue and a conversation about what we need to do about, you know, 
um, building communities rather than prisons in this country. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and in fact, really looking at the fact that really it's still about the convict days, it's still about colonisation, yeah. isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and, and, you know, and some of that colonisation is now going private and that's a conversation that, you know, because our incarceration rates are getting higher in the Aboriginal community, especially in female, then we need to have a discussion about making sure that if prison systems are going into privatisation, then what are the steps to make sure that there are cultural um, support mechanisms for those men and women um, or even prevention before that, you know? Uh, I mean, we we had 339 recommendations come out of the Royal Commission um, back in 91, and they are still relevant today. I mean, when you look at some of the issues um, within those recommendations over the last couple of months, I've been sitting in it for quite a lot of time, and you sort of kind of sit there going, can it, why has it? Why hasn't it? Why can't it just be done? <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. why? Why has it taken us? Uh, you know, thirty almost thirty years to sort of kind of keep banging on the doorsteps of um, the government when the recommendations are very clearly there. And I think that's one of the things that you know, in in hope that we start to recognise that. A lot of people have walked before us, and the and the wheel is not a new one. hasn't been invented before, you know. It has been invented before, and we're just trying to raise the voice and the issues um, yet again in this day and age. Absolutely, and I think a lot of the time, what tends to happen is you you do a project like this, and sometimes it might be stated, "Oh, but but it's too political." Now that's not too political, I'm afraid. I don't like yeah. the way that politics is separated from the personal because it goes hand in hand. You know, we're talking about women that that are dying here. We're talking about recommendations that haven't been upheld. For example, prison being mm. a last resort is one of them. Yep. And you've got also the duty of care, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think of that? Oh, look, you know, I think uh, for me, you know, I, I say that... Uh, you know, we can't be silent in the negligence anymore, um, you know, and uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why, as an artist, as a filmmaker, as all of the above, as well as as an academic, you know, uh, the four of us are really trying to push uh, the conversation in a different way by using art to tell the story and maybe trigger a different dialogue with without it seeming threatening, but uh, allowing people to come into the space and be immersed into the conversation in a different way. I mean, I think that's what we're all trying to do is find the different conversation. It's really cool. It's really fantastic the way that the project has involved the making of the traditional possum skin cloak, representing the mm-hmm. Aboriginal women who who have died since, since 1987. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it was and it was such a beautiful thing. Like people, um, you know, community members just turned up at lunchtime and you know um, sat and had something to eat, and then they, you know, grab a possum skin and uh, do a design and start burning on it, and just the chatter of all these women around, you know, um, sort of. 
sort of kind of just really made you feel like you were, you know, in the midst of Central, yeah. <laughs> very much a part of an Aboriginal community at that point, which, you know, you sort of miss, you know, seeing Redfern like that, you know, where there was a lot of, you know, back when I was growing up, used to be a lot of community spirit and, you know, it's it's getting gentrified. And so that loveliness of just having all those armies around and all those young women sort of laughing and telling, you know, sometimes dirty jokes to get through <laughs> the harshness yeah. of the stuff that they were doing. It was just really lovely. And then, you know, even some of our men that are um, that work with us, the legal team that work on the coronials, just coming and stitching, you know, the possum skin. I think it was healing for all of our team to sort of feel uh, the warmth of all of the women, you know, that sort of kind of helped to... And, and you know, the one thing about it, Marissa, was mm. it was amazing that usually it takes around two months to make a possum cloak. Yeah. Um, and we made a possum cloak in six days. Wow. So, that's you know, awesome. just all these women coming together and the energy and, you know, and that's um, that's the sewing as well, which is just yeah. phenomenal, <laughs> you know, that... <laughs> The, the design and the sewing all got, happened in that in that one week where we just opened the doors to community to come and sit with us or cut paper or do possum cloak or whatever they felt like they wanted to do or just sit there and yarn, you know. But why can't we make that real? Why, why can't we, for example, wrap a real person that's that's passed away in a, in a, in a possum cloak? Should be real. Uh, well, yeah, there'd be legal issues around all of that. Do you think? Yes, I'm sure. I don't know. know. Like I it's a cultural that, thing. Yeah. Well, what are they going to do? Yeah, There's no absolutely. germs. I mean, that, and I think that's why we wanted to do one, is to recognise the amount of women that have, um, yeah. and and also to come together and and sort of kind of see how many women it takes to. And men it takes to make one of these things, you know. Yeah, well, um, that's pretty powerful. We're usually all researchers sitting in front of desks for most of the time. So doing this sort of kind of, you know, indigenous creative stuff, uh, which is part of who we are, is just as important as a part of the process, you know. Well, it's important in some ways. It's just as important as the academia, isn't it? Mm. If not more. Absolutely more. I think. I think so. Because it's all a part of that decolonisation narrative, you know. Well, what's the point of writing policies saying, oh, yes, culturally appropriate activity if you're not going to put it into practice? There's no point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the great things about Jambana and UTS is that there's a lot of um, people that are doers and sort of kind of try to figure out different ways to create... Uh, ways for community to use the research in a different way. That's fantastic. And it, and indeed, 1987 was the year the Royal Commission mm. into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody was announced by the Hawke government, wasn't it? Yeah. And and it took, you know, almost, you know, five years. And, I mean, they researched, they went into 99 deaths of Aboriginal men and women deaths in custody around the country uh, as a part of that report and when it uh, came out there were 339 recommendations um, that came from it in 1991. So 
So, you know, and such a, um important framework of conversation, you know, it helped to trigger, um, you know, back then ATSIC and a whole lot of, you know, funding and support for different organisations um, in the lead-up to um, uh, the World Indigenous Peoples, um, Year of the World Indigenous Peoples. Um, and so uh, I think that that was, that it, it was at a prevalent point to trigger conversation yeah. at that time. But then, it, you know, since ATIC's sort of kind of gone down, the recommendations have gone down with it, I think. And that's a shame because uh, there's things that still need to be done as a part of those recommendations that are just basic logic and respect of cultures. We need to build the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody indeed. And, Absolutely. And in fact, in the media release that that you all put out, it says here the imprisonment rate for Indigenous females increased by 58% between 2000 to 210, as noted by the Law Council yeah. of Australia. Yeah. And, and just amazing, you know, um, the fact that, uh, you know, our, our women are increasing at such a substantial amount in terms of imprisonment, but also our young children, you know, the, the, the juveniles, the, the rates are, in, uh, are moving up more and more, you know, that 31 more times likely to be incarcerated as a juvenile if you're Indigenous. 31 times more, you know, wow. like we need to, we need to start stopping that conversation and, and, and starting a new one for our community and say, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing as a community where um, that is seen as a part of uh, an outcome for you in your future? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Mm. And the future is, we've got to, we have to keep the future going and, and we need to overcome, you know, ongoing genocide and, and colonisation and wipe out those convict convict day policies of you know of young children going to prison at 10 years old yeah yeah so the project is yeah. titled sorry for your loss and it's an installation piece yep. made up of communal artwork and visual and audio performances and as you said it's set within a cell block and the piece um when can you just talk about when it's going to be available and when where people can go um, so it's opening on the during Reconciliation Week at Bumali at 55 Flood Street, Leichhardt. Um, and uh, from the 31st to the of May to the 10th of June, it's open to the public. Um, uh, so do come on down and um, have a look and with these women's stories um, I think uh, it's a part of a dialogue that we're hoping will keep going um, you know we're hoping to do booklets that can help people continue the conversation um, past just our conversation and then we've got a panel on the 31st of um, May as well oh, That's focusing on um, the numbers of Aboriginal women in custody yeah yeah, 
also um, uh, Chris Canine, who helped to write uh, one of the um, amazing criminologists that helped to write the Royal Commission stuff, um, will be leading the panel conversation um, on the next day after the launch. Fantastic. So, uh, important conversation, you know, for people that were involved in the Royal Commission um, to see what they think, you know, needs to be done now. For sure. And it's really great that the installation piece isn't just made up of artwork and visual stuff, that there'll also be audio performances in case in case there are some vision-impaired people that, that yeah. want to attend. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And we thought that that was important, you know, um, to make sure that it could also be a space where people could um, hear the prayer or, or the the song of prayer from Lou as well as hear the words of these women um, from before they passed. Look, that's great. Have you got any final comments to add to that? Um, no, I think, you know, I just hope that um, people will come and visit and get engaged with some of the conversations that need to be uh, had about stopping, you know, uh, incarceration levels and death in custody um, because it, it, it's getting such to such a point that we need to have a much-needed conversation about where to go from here. Pauline, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I'm thank afraid you, we, we did a bit of an extended interview. I hope you didn't you didn't think you were in the hot seat, but really this was just a conversation <laughs> that you and I were having on air, and um, it's it's turned out beautifully. I think. Oh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Keep up See the good ya. work. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And we were speaking just now with Pauline, who was um, talking about an installation piece and lots of artwork and audio performances as well. And this is happening in Sydney. The installation will be officially launched on the 30th of May during Reconciliation Week with the exhibition open to the public from the 31st of May to the 10th of June at, at Bumali Cooperative, 55 to 59 Flood Street, Lee, and that's spelt L E I. C-H-A-R-D-T, in Sydney. And this is about Aboriginal um, women who, who have died in custody. There'll also be a panel on the 31st of May focusing on the issue of escalating numbers of Aboriginal women in custody. And, yeah, so thank you to Pauline um, for, for coming onto the show and thank you also to Tyrone. And we'll be doing a little bit of an announcement uh, and then saying goodbye after that. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one.
Come and see Bart Willoughby's album, Resonance, live on June the 2nd at Fitzroy Town Hall. Doors open at 7pm and show starts at 7.30. Featuring all tracks from Bart Willoughby's latest album, Resonance, a combination of reggae, jazz, opera and Middle Eastern music in celebration of Reconciliation Week. Saturday, June the 2nd. Tickets available through tickyboo.com.au. Early bird community tickets available for 3CR subscribers and City of Yarra residents and workers until May 7th. Check out our Facebook page or website for further details. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.51 and just uh, some quick things. Uh, the Doing Time show is on podcast now, so if you've missed half the show or if you've missed all of it, nearly all of it, you can actually tune into those podcasts and have a look on the 3CR <clears throat> excuse me, website. And so, yeah, we're going to be nearing the end of our show pretty soon. And just to remind um, listeners about the Federation of Community Legal Centres event on the 10th of May, and that's going to be at the Footscray Arts Centre, I believe, and you can Google that or contact the Community um, Federation of Legal Centres, or you can call 3CR 94198377, Care of the Do and Time Show, and we can give you more information about, about that. And also a reminder, just a summary of, of the last interview, that there's going to be in Sydney a very special event telling the untold story of Aboriginal women deaths in custody through art. And just to repeat that information, it's going to be opening um, in reconciliation during Reconciliation Week and it'll be opening on the 30th of May and with the exhibition open to the public from the 31st of May to the 10th of June at Bumali Cooperative 55 to 59 Flood Street, Leeds, in Sydney. And there'll also be a panel on the 31st of May focusing on the issue of escalating numbers of Aboriginal women in custody. It's approximately, excuse me, 4.53 and we'll be back at the same time every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the Do and Time show. Um, we're going to be going out pretty soon with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella. Haven't decided which one I'm going to be putting on. I'll either be putting on the Rumpy Band one or the one by um, Jim Little. Uh, yeah. Actually, there is one last thing before I leave, and that is to say that last Monday we had our special memorial anniversary um, featuring the passing of Ray Jackson, who is a respect, very respected Aboriginal elder and activist. And if people miss that, that's also on podcast and that's the, the 24th of, of April. So I think I'll put the longer version of the Blackfella Whitefella song um, and that was by Jim and that was also Ray Jackson's favourite, one of Ray Jackson's favourite artists. So I'll put that on and we've got Beyond Zero up next and it's goodbye from Marissa. See you next week. Stay tuned.